Hi everyone, I'm Lee Stabert, Editor-in-Chief of Keystone Edge, and this is your latest episode of Key Change. In this bi-monthly podcast series, we talk about how Pennsylvania's businesses, community leaders, and creatives adapted during a tumultuous global moment, finding new ways to connect with their customers and their communities. We're also looking forward into an increasingly hopeful future. Back in 2018, Keystone Edge wrote a story about Hazelwood Green, an entire neighborhood rising from a 178-acre brownfield on the banks of the Mon River in Pittsburgh, where once they made steel, the forces behind this massive mixed-use project hope to foster innovation and collaboration, building out public spaces, bike lanes, transit, apartments, cutting-edge offices, retail, and waterfront recreation trails. Three years and one global pandemic later, we wanted an update on Hazelwood Green. How have the plans evolved? Are they still on track? What's coming next? To get answers, we chatted with one of the project's partners. Here is that conversation. I'm Todd Stern. I'm a managing director with U3 Advisors. And U3 is a development advisor manager for Almano, the foundations that own Hazelwood Green. Almano consists of the Heinz Endowments, the Richard King Mellon Foundation, and the Claude Worthington Benedum Foundation. Can you tell us a little bit about the genesis of this project? The foundations purchased Hazelwood Green, I think, in 2002. And so there was a tremendous amount of work to do at that point. The old industrial steel structures had to be taken down the site had to be remediated from any, you know, any environmental considerations that came about as a result of, of you know, the site being a steel factory for many years. Uh, the site needed to be graded, you know, dirt moved from one place to another, both to accommodate uh, stormwater runoff considerations, but also to provide some kind of environmental cap of soil on old, more hazardous uh, Uh, environmental conditions that were in the ground. So that took a great deal of time. In more recent years, the foundations also built the first roads through Hazelwood Green, Blair Street and Lytle Street, and some other cross streets in addition to begin to form an urban grid uh, through which people could access the site. On the heels of that, uh, uh, RIDC built Mill 19, uh, which is now you know, leased and, and open and houses uh, Catalyst Connection and Carnegie Mellon's uh, Arm Institute, as well as Motional, a company in the autonomous vehicle space. So there has been a lot of progress to prepare a very complicated site with a lot of history for development. And over, over the last couple of years, there's been yet more activity and development on the site. First of all, the roughly $10 million uh, two-acre public plaza uh, that sits just at the southern edge of Mill 19 is now open to the public and provides, I think, a great uh, gathering space for the community and for the tenants at Hazelwood Green. And, of course, the Roundhouse, which is an old historic uh, structure that served uh, the servicing of rail cars, is just about to be opened and to be leased by a company called One Valley out of Menlo Park, California and Boston, who will serve as a technology incubator uh, in Pittsburgh 
they'll be taking occupancy within the next several weeks. It's a beautiful, striking redesign of this iconic post-industrial structure. And then finally, you may be aware that over the past year, we have been pursuing a master plan for the riverfront, which has seen pretty strong engagement from uh, all sectors of the community, including the Hazelwood neighborhood, to help us reimagine, re-envision what access to the riverfront can look like, you know, for the first time really in like a hundred years, because riverfront has been uh, closed off to the community because of the presence of the steel industry. When you think about urban projects so often, it's about density and a lack of space. I mean, I'm in Philadelphia, but then the irony is in a lot of these post-industrial cities, you do have these huge sites and there's something obviously very exciting about having such a large site, but also something I a little intimidating. And how do you transform a space that then makes it feel part of a city, you know, not a, a place apart? Your point's well taken. Uh, the site has been cut off from the neighborhood for many, many years. And part of our job is to reintegrate it with public access through trails and through a street grid that we are recreating for the first time in so many decades, but also to program the space in a way that invites and entices and engages the community, both the Hazelwood neighborhood as well as other parts of the city. I think that there have also been increasing conversations in the last year or two around, I mean, I think cities have been having these conversations, but around equity and integration and neighborhoods and how do you build projects that benefit the people who already live there. Um, do you feel like those conversations have changed over the last year for you guys? I think there's been a heightened sense of urgency uh, on the part of the foundations. I think that they have been uh, cognizant of and attentive to those considerations for you know the last decade as they've worked continuously with neighborhood groups in Hazelwood. But I certainly think that there is a heightened sense of urgency around putting in place practical measures to attain those goals. So let's talk about the other big thing that happened this year. Let's get a little bit into COVID and how that impacts a long range project like this in terms of the dollars, in terms of the energy, in terms of thinking, are people still going to want offices? <laughs> what are, how is this going to change? work? How is this going to change space? How is this going to change funding? Can you talk a little bit about how the pandemic affected this project? There was clearly some disruption and dislocation in real estate markets across the country. But I also think that a lot of long-term planning has not been derailed. And I certainly think that's true at Hazelwood Green. The opportunity that we see for the site is a you know, multi-decade or century kind of opportunity to, to create an economic development engine that helps to continue the growth that the city of Pittsburgh is experiencing uh, for the city and, and for the region and for southwestern Pennsylvania. So the need that, this, that the site fills to provide space for innovation and for you know, equitable access to jobs I think that need hasn't changed at all. And if anything, those needs have really just been heightened uh, as a result of the pandemic. And so 
The folks that we've been talking to who have expressed interest in coming to Hazelwood Green, their interest is as strong as ever. So we have experienced really strong momentum in continuing our, our pre-development efforts during the last 18 months of the pandemic. Though I'm sure it also involved a lot of Zoom for everybody. <laughs> it involved a lot of Zoom. And now that, uh, and, and in some ways, you know, things that we thought we couldn't achieve remotely prior to the pandemic, we certainly have. Although I will say that now that things are opening up again, we're being reminded that when there are opportunities to be in person, things can both be enormously more efficient because seeing people live, I think just, and building relationship in that way is just an important uh, catalyst for for getting things done. And uh, so I think we've learned, if anything, that while we can be efficient on Zoom, uh, nothing replaces kind of human face-to-face contact. So let's talk a little bit about the future. What is the next year, the next two years, the next five years look like for this project? We will be working to implement the first you know, pilot or stages of the Riverfront Master Plan. Our goal is to, you know, we can't build the entire riverfront. It's, it's 1.2 miles. We can't build it all out uh, at once. It's expensive and it's complicated, but we do hope to begin to open up access to the waterfront in the nearer term. And then over the coming couple of years, we really do expect to make significant strides in vertical development or creating you know, buildings with tenants inside them. Can you just talk a little bit about the spirit of this project? I think that I, as someone who grew up in Pennsylvania, I'm in Philadelphia, there's something about these types of projects, these you know former steel mills, former industrial, former brownfields that really tap into something for people. I think that a lot of these cities, I would put Pittsburgh and Philly in the same category, have kind of long suffered from second city syndrome or feeling like underdogs a little bit. And I think there's something about taking something that was a liability and turning it into a strength that really... Um, speaks to people. And it does, absolutely. And I guess I'll approach it from two perspectives. One, I want to note that I think we're seeing a trend by large developers and investors around the country who are looking to to pursue what we'll call, you know, second tier without being disparaging, you know, second tier uh, or third tier markets, not the gateway cities, which have become enormously expensive for developers and investors to to build in. So I think there is kind of a real interest by institutional capital in coming to places like Pittsburgh. And so I think that's going to continue. But but just in terms of kind of the the aesthetic, if you will, of the city, I completely agree with the premise of your question. And I think that part of what makes Hazelwood Green so unique is precisely its history and the way that it's situated uh, in the city. I mean, it sits on a beautiful elegant and graceful river, the Monongahela. It sits just one and a half miles from one of the major research and innovation capitals of the country, uh, which is Oakland, home to Carnegie Mellon and the University of Pittsburgh. Um, And I think that it's post-industrial flavor. You know, there are artifacts from that era in the form of the mill building and the roundhouse and the pump house, old coal loaders on the waterfront, I think these add a sense of authenticity and character that people in the workforce and tenants 
want today. They don't want to live in a in a Disney-esque kind of plain vanilla lifestyle center. And so I think that we offer something really unique. And I think that people are continuing uh, to see Pittsburgh as a place with a great uh, standard of living, a great quality of life. And it's just a beautiful place. And I think that, um, you know, talking about the river and the relationship between the river and the built environment will always be essential in Pittsburgh, or rivers, I guess one could say. They're an essential part of the of the uh, gestalt in Pittsburgh, and I think that they are clearly a, an asset to its character and to attracting folks to live and work in the city. That's it for our eighth installment of Key Change. If you know of or run a key business or organization that should be featured in this podcast series, visit our website and tell us all about it. Or send us a tweet or an Instagram message. We are on all the social media channels at Keystone Edge. Till next time.